Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning to all of you that are in the room and our friends that are joining us online, listening on the radio this week. Welcome to church. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Last week, Pastor Matt, he kicked off a new series called Stand, Honoring God in a World That Won't. And with this series, we're spending a couple of weeks kind of looking at the book of Daniel just a little bit. Last week, we observed a little bit about Daniel and a few of his friends and how they took a stand when things seemed to be falling apart. And we talked about how, like them, we need to stand for something. We can stand with honor and persistence and confidence. And today we're going to look at another story in the book of Daniel where the heat is turned up quite literally for Daniel's friends. In Daniel chapter 3, there's this king. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. I can't say that slow. There are too many letters in that name. The king Nebuchadnezzar, he decided that he wanted to build a gold image for people to worship just because sometimes people with power and money do crazy stuff. And this is one of those kinds of stories. But the worship of this statue or this golden image that he put up, it wasn't voluntary. In fact, when the music was played, everyone that could hear it was supposed to stop whatever they're doing, regardless of what it was. And they were supposed to bow down and worship this image made of gold. And that sounds crazy. And it was crazy, but it got even worse for these guys. And the thing is, the problem was, is for those that would not bow when this music was played and would not bow down and worship this golden image, the penalty was to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And that escalated quickly. Then some folks that met Daniel's friends, they realized that they were not following the crazy golden image worship instructions. So they decided to tell on the non-compliant. And lots of power trips are going on in this story. There's a lot of people trying to control things here. But we pick up and the king, he calls for these guys and he calls for them to come and give them an opportunity to comply to his command. It was probably more just so he could taunt them, but he's, he, he calls them in and, and I love their response. We pick up in Daniel chapter three, beginning in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We're thrown into the blazing furnace. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And I love this. But even if he does not, we want you to know that your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. So imagine this moment where they're being faced with the, the, basically the result of them not complying is to be thrown into this furnace, which at that time, because of this response, the king turned the furnace up seven times what it was, so much so that the soldiers that he instructed to take them to the fiery furnace died in the process. So we pick back up in Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 23. These three men were, they were firmly tied and they fell into the blazing furnace Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. 
pick up in verse 27 there. All of the powers that be, the governors and the royal advisors, they all crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their hair on their head singed, or their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Some of you can't even cook dinner without that going on. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. And they trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. One thing we know for sure, that this king is jacked up. He needs a lot of help, especially with trying to deal with his issues of wanting to fillet and barbecue people all the time. But we also see these three individuals, they decided to stick together and stand together when the heat got turned up. And last week we talked about an opportunity to stand up for Daniel and his friends. And next week we're going to talk about a crazy circumstance that Daniel found himself in by himself in that moment without them. But today we're going to focus on the three men at this major intersection of decision. We've all had major intersections of decision. Sometimes we're not aware of what the intersection could impact or how it could impact us in the moment, but we've all faced them and we will face them. And we may not have a golden statue or a fiery furnace in front of us that's trying to get us to respond in one way or another, but life is going to life. <laughs> life is going to happen. And at times we're gonna be faced with adversity. The question is, is what will our response be? Our big idea today is when life gets tough and it's time to stand up, don't stand alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Verse 14, do everything in love. So this call or challenge or maybe an invitation from God to stand firm in our faith and be courageous. And we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they make these decisions and we too have to decide and we get to decide and we should, number one, stand firm in what we believe in. What was their response to the king? I love it. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand, but even if he does not, you know, sometimes us following God is if he will do things the way that we want him to do them, but not based off of the fact that he's going to follow through regardless of what we do. Sometimes we allow our circumstances or other people to dictate how we respond, but our convictions and our beliefs should be the things that guide us, right? Will we stand firm when everything else is telling us to compromise, or will we try to run from these intersections of decision? The thing is, is that what's going on inside of us, the things we are contemplating and processing, eventually those things are going to come out. Luke 6, beginning in verse 44, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
The New King James translation says, for out of the abundance, the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. And this is an important thing because we need to know what we believe because eventually what we believe is going to come out in what we say. And what we say will eventually follow through in how we respond because we will respond accordingly to what's already going on inside of us. If we're going to encourage and stand with others, we need to know what we believe because we may have to be the one to speak faith into some situations when other people are incapable of doing that. We even see that like in King David, that there's a passage of scripture that reminds us that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to speak faith even over yourself, especially when you're not feeling it. Also, we get to walk in that faith and we should do so regardless of what that looks like. I love Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that is working inside of us. It is God working inside of us. And God can do whatever he wants. And he is able to. And I love the, the conversation about this. It's not just he was able or he did do these things. He is still able to do what God does. But even if he doesn't, that's this moment of intersection, right? Even if he doesn't, they're literally speaking that by faith. We're still not going to do this because we still trust him regardless of whether he does what we want him to do in this moment we're going to stand on his promises there's this powerful chorus some of you may be familiar with that kind of echoes this proclamation of faith of these guys and i know you're able and i know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand but even if you don't and my hope is you alone. I love this second half. And I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. It wasn't just a song for them. It was their heart. My hope is in you to stand up with others. Let's stand firm in what we believe in. And number two, we can stand firm in who we belong to. Stand firm in who we belong to. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. We're not just people that believe in God or just talk about God. He's actually got our back. And not just knowing who we are, but whose we are. A redeemed people. Do you know who you are in Christ? That's why I'm so thankful for the Bible because there's a lot of scripture and promises in there. And even the ones that I know well, God will often bring them back to memory to remind me. When we feel like we have no value, Luke 12, 7, that the very hairs of our head are all numbered. That's including the white and the gray ones and the ones that are no longer there. And I love the second half of that passage. Don't be afraid because you are worth more than many sparrows. This bird that most would discard as not having much value. But God knows even they. When you feel like you were an accident, Jeremiah 1 and 5 reminds us that before we were formed in our mother's womb, God knew you. When we feel like God has forgotten about us, Isaiah 49, 16, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. When, when you question your purpose 
Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. When you feel exhausted, remember this invitation from Jesus for rest in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. When things get crazy, you get overwhelmed. John 16, 33, Jesus is talking about crazy things happening in the world. And he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. Because in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. When you feel hopeless or too far gone, Isaiah 59, 1, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear that it cannot hear. When you question if you're good enough or whatever enough, Psalm 139, 14, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. When you feel like your situation is beyond repair, Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew God, they served God, and they knew that regardless of their circumstances, they were not alone because the God that created them the God that loved them was also with them. And this crazy king, he actually gave witness to this when he saw a fourth man in the fire. We don't always tangibly see God working in the midst of our circumstances and trials, but he's there, he's present with us. And the framework from this message is that 1 Corinthians 16, 13 passage, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith and be courageous and be strong. But I included verse 14, do everything in love, intentionally because choosing to walk in faith because of who I belong to in my response to adversity comes from a place of love to realize that regardless of how many times I've messed up or ignored Jesus he still went to the cross for me and he did that for you because he loved us love was his motivation reconciliation was his motivation and his love kept him there when he had no reason to be. And I will let that love and commitment guide my response. And if you hear nothing else that I say today, remember this, that if God doesn't keep you from it, he will keep beside you through it. And he may just show up and show out and you might not come out smoke, smelling like smoke even when you're in the, the fire that's trying to consume you. God can do something in the midst of that. And like our brothers in this story, they're trying to show us we can stand firm in what we believe and we can stand firm in who we belong to. And last but certainly not least, we can stand firm with who we share life with. Ecclesiastes chapter four, beginning in verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. And that's not just true for marriage. A lot of times we use this passage in marriage ceremonies. It's true for life. God made us for a relationship. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't just take a stand. They took a stand together. And we have ministry teams and small groups at our church, but not just to give you more stuff to do, but because God never intended for us to do life alone. Serving and sharing life together is not our idea, it's God's idea. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have community within themselves. 
The early church began in Acts chapter 2. This is where ABC's discipleship comes from. They accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. They're, they're hearing about Jesus together. They got baptized and worshiped together. They also became fully connected in these life-giving relationships. They were meeting in each other's homes and breaking bread and sharing in food. And they contributed sacrificially together to meet the needs together and they spent daily time growing in their faith and then they started sharing their faith with everyone around them and, and I love this part at the end of the passage in Acts chapter 2 it says daily lives were being changed and people were coming to Jesus life change was flowing out of this place of community when things get hard what does the enemy do he tries to isolate us he tries to keep us in a cave somewhere and he uses any means necessary to create this interference in our relationship with others and with the Lord. And at certain times in my life, I've also felt helpless. And maybe you've been there too. And maybe some of you are there right now. I remember when I was a 14-year-old kid, even though I knew most of the books of the Bible, I could find them without the table of contents. Now you can do it digitally, so you can kind of give it away if you don't know where it is. But I kind of knew the things to say and the things to do. And I, I knew the church world and I felt comfortable in that. But I was hurting and broken inside. And I could not see how much the enemy had isolated me till I found myself at the intersection of a failed attempt to take my life. And I could sing the song, Jesus Loves Me, but inside I felt unseen and valuable. And those lyrics were just words. And I thought that there was no way out of the pain but the problem is, is I didn't know at the time I would never find a better way on my own. I needed God to help me. I needed other people to be there. And even in my failure and brokenness at that moment, Jesus was still there and he used other people to speak hope into my life until I couldn't speak it on my own. And Jesus, he said, he, he told us in John 10, 10, he came to give us life and that life more abundantly. But the thing is, is he really changed stuff for me. So I don't just preach it. I'm not just excited about this stuff because it's my job. My life really changed because of an encounter with Jesus that changed everything. And even in difficult seasons, the hope that met me when I was 14 years old in that moment on that day at my school is the same hope that has sustained me every single day since then. And regardless of what you may be facing, God is able to meet you at that intersection. He's able to see you through that storm. And there is no shame in struggling there's also no shame in getting help. Proverbs eleven fourteen reminds us there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And let me tell you something. There's only one that saved me and his name is Jesus. And he has redeemed me and he has given me purpose. But as I navigate this side of life, this side of eternity, I need Jesus, my people and therapy. God uses people in our life. We need you. Life is worth living and you are worth healing and being loved and God is not finished with your story. We need to stand firm in the faith that we have with the people that we get to share life with. Because anxiety, it isolates us. And addiction isolates us. And depression isolates us. And loss isolates us. And shame isolates us. And sin isolates us. And pain isolates us. And if Satan can keep us isolated and discouraged and distracted, we will struggle to fully embrace and walk in all that God has for us. 
And when we get up here to preach every single week, I promise you this, we don't do so because we have it all together. We do so though because we have chosen to follow and love and trust and preach a Jesus that can still exchange beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and praise for the heaviness that maybe you carried in here today. And he has redeemed us and he still has good news for the poor and freedom for the captive and broken and oppressed. And this Jesus really loves you. It's not just a song, he really does. And if you don't know him yet, he's ready when you are. Because when life gets tough and it's time to take a stand, don't stand alone. We've gotten an opportunity to observe a little bit about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing firm in their faith with what they believe in, who they belong to, and who they shared life with. Let us not forget Hebrews 12 reminds us that we serve and follow after this Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And last week I got the opportunity to go to a Christians writer, or Christian Writers Conference, and it was uh, really good for my soul for a lot of reasons. But in one of the sessions, there was this lady, she's a very successful writer, really loves the Lord, and she shared this thought with us. She said, do not presume to write for God until you have spent time with God. And that's true for writing my books or posting stuff on Facebook or even these messages that I get the opportunity to preach. And as I was sitting at my home, you can ask my wife on Wednesday night, trying to wrap my head around how to close this message out. After a day, my brain was just completely distracted, spending time with the Lord, trying to listen to what he wanted to do while my dogs are running across my lap. <laughs> we had a meeting Thursday morning. My message notes needed to be ready. And I'm just praying. I'm trying to seek God and ask God to help me. Lord, how do you want me to close this out? And in the middle of that chaos, if you knew how much of a miracle it is just for me to speak a message after all the stuff, it has to, all the gymnastics in my brain to get out. It's a pretty amazing thing. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, God, what do you want to say? How do you want me to close this? What are you trying to communicate? How can we wrap this up? And this quote out of nowhere, well, not out of nowhere, from him, came to mind from a great writer. Her name's Rebecca Lyons. And it's this. It's not your story of struggle but it's his story of rescue. Amen. When life gets tough and it's time to take a stand, don't stand alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for stories of men and women that have gone before us, men and women that have screwed up before us, and also men and women that have trusted you before us. And God, we thank you even in this moment of adversity that seems crazy. We want to say by faith we would respond in the same way, but I don't know. I've never had a fiery furnace close enough for me to feel it. I'd like to think that I would respond in kind. But we thank you for these brothers that we see their response is to trust you even if you don't show up. God, there's a lot of people under the sound of my voice in this room watching online listening later in the week, they're struggling. They may find themselves at a point of adversity, an intersection of decision. And God, like I see that you've done in this moment, God, I just pray that you would fill them back up and that you would remind us, Lord God, that we can stand firm in the faith that we believe in and the God that we belong to and with the brothers and sisters that we get to do life with. God, because we're not navigating this life alone. 
God, help us to remember that. And for those that may be in a season of isolation or may need a brother or sister to come beside them, God, I pray that you would open that door and you would lead them and give them the courage to lean in, to ask for help. Because at the end of the day, Jesus, we all need you. We all need others to navigate this side of life. And we thank you for your faithfulness, God. You met them in this moment in the fire. And God, whether we could see it or not, God, at every intersection we've ever been in, you've met us there too. And we praise you for it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.